I am quite worried about this game on Saturday. Like, David Martindale's Livingston, an absolute stinker form. What what could possibly go wrong, Matt? I, I, I think this is the most confident I've ever been in a Scottish Cup tie. Why would you ever say that, Matt? They're, they're, like, they're so and bad, David. Also, David, it's on record, so you can remember that at one fifteen in the record. Just to go oh, th- this is absolutely next week's intro when we lose... comic that it's all so tragic it's that humdrum novel old black magic let's have a laugh after we cry let's hope we live before we die the silly clown's red nose is running and it's tragic that it's all so funny it's crucial and it doesn't matter Vows of love are idle chatter To feel this good has to be bad I'm so damn happy that it's sad Dear listener, would you like to slap me? And the sad thing is I'm so damn happy Yes, the sad thing is I'm so damn happy Hello and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw A weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle Joining me today to look back on Saturday's Scottish Cup exit, Jamie McDonald. Jamie, how are you? Yeah, I'm not bad. Thanks, Matt. Uh, yeah, very disappointing at the end of the day to be at the Cup. Heather Holloway's here. Heather, you've done Monday off work. I suspect you're on maybe slightly better spirits than the rest of us. Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's enjoyable to be on the holiday week and I was so looking forward to a really fun weekend of celebrating getting through but unfortunately classic thistle it wasn't to be but we're out the hat and we you know we just have to get over it i'm rounding off our panel this week david forrest david how are you um d- doing much better when i found out Livingston got celtic away um in the quarterfinals but um yeah, um, okay. Yeah, it, it was it was an all right game and an all right weekend, but you know, it, it would be nice to still be in the Scottish Cup. When I when I saw the draw, I was like, oh well, we'd have been a different number. But I think if it was alphabetical, we wouldn't have been a different number, so we'd we'd have really got Celtic away anyway. So yeah, maybe a bullet dodge there, David. And um, Rhys Haldane sadly still smarting from his his drawlers or draw quiz final defeat last week. Can't join us. We hope he's doing okay. But we'll start with a look at the starting eleven. Then Scott Robinson picked up an ox, so Ben Stanway came in for him, which meant Kerr McEnroy moved further forward in the midfield. I mean, you, Luke Macbeth, and Dan O'Reilly were cup tied. Jamie, were you quite happy with that team you saw on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, given what we had, I think it's probably what I'd have gone with. I was obviously disappointed to hear that Scott Robinson was out injured. Brilliant up at Ross County, and I think he'd have had something to prove in the game on Saturday if he'd played. He obviously was at Livingston. And I read Levy fans saying before the game that they weren't looking forward to seeing him play because apparently I think he fell out with Martindale or something. So I think he could have put it up an extra gear and had a really good performance. And he's, I think he's quite important to the way we play going forward. I think Reese mentioned it one or two episodes ago that he's kind of a tireless workhorse and an unselfish player and you need that on your team. So I think he was a mess, but before we had, I was happy with the lineup. David, before we get on to the, the game itself, what did you make of the, the new singing section on, on Saturday and the, the general atmosphere around the ground? Yeah, I seen the the big banner. Um, yeah, it was good. I, I, I unconfirmed reports of a drum and the janky husband. It's, oh, 
I'm, I'm not going to slag children off on this podcast, but that 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 was again. Tough. Um, no, I, I mean, speaking as someone who used to sit next to the German the GHS, I totally empathise and sympathise. But um, yeah, I, it was it was a good initiative. It's it's interesting to see them trying to to make this singing section happen. We had it. I think they trialled it at the Rangers game, didn't they? And maybe at Hearts as well. But the yeah, it's it's good to see. And um, yeah, and I like the big banner that they had. Um, and yeah, it was good fun. And they were in, they were in good voice for most of the game anyway. Yeah, I think like drums football maybe maybe it's going to fall into the same category as as power in the sense that there probably is a place for it, but it needs to be sort of organised. And I think with a drum. It needs to be fans are singing. I think a singing section will hopefully help with that. The John Lambier looked really good. It looked really good. It looked fuller than it normally did. And I guess that was down to the sort of allocating a, a seat to everybody rather than everybody cramming in in a few rows at the back. So it, it did look really impressive on Saturday. So long may that continue. Heather, we'll go on to the game then. Do you, just general assessment. Do you think we, we deserved what we got in the end? It was a, it was a real sickener, a, a late goal to see us out in extra time. But did we deserve any more than that from the, the 120 minutes of, of play? Oh, it's really, really hard because I think watching that and especially watching that first half and the chances that were created, the Tommy Adeloy shot that didn't go over the line, that's really tough to take. And you do think uh, if that had been 3-1 at that point, would what happened, would, like, obviously would extra time have happened, would we be in the situation we are now and and I think if we'd had that two goal cushion we would have been fine but overall if you look at the way that we set up after the 60th minute the team that we finished with and the team that went into extra time I mean I don't think that extra time team could have bought a goal no matter like even if there was you know an unlimited amount of money available it was it was a like that that extra time team lacked pace, creativity, anything that kind of stands for Partick Thistle. And I don't mean that in the sense of I think that's quite harsh for me to say when people I thought Bannigan played really well. I also thought obviously Harry Milne's got a lot of the plaudits, even though he did get nubled. But you know what? I actually do th- I don't think that we just des- from the overall, I don't think we deserve to get through because of the way that things changed in that half. And I think that we maybe needed to learn a lesson, which is a really cruel take for me. But I really would have hoped that the way that we had played in that first half that would have would have changed that. And I know we're going to go on to talk about the subbing and just maybe the different ways. I completely forgot that O'Reilly, etc. weren't available and did think that was kind of strange that maybe he didn't bring them on. I thought, um, you know, Waz came on and, and did and did really well for the job that he'd been given. But it was just the minute that they scored one, I thought, this is it. And I don't know if that's just being a Thistle fan. I don't know if that's just, you know, wins from previous games and just years and years of getting used to this whole we can't see out things. But yeah, I I saw it coming. Did we deserve it? Maybe not. But it was an, it was almost inevitable. Jamie, we'll come on to the substitutions then. We had lots of listener correspondence about this. So if we assume, like Christian said, Jack McMillan and Aaron Muirhead have to go off injured, what do you think Doolan could have done differently? He's mentioned that he made the, the double change of taking Graham and Lawless off too early. Is, is that the only thing he could have done differently? How would you assess the, the subs that weren't enforced on Saturday? Yeah, I wouldn't have taken Lawless off at that point. I think that him and McMillan, I know obviously McMillan did end up uh, getting injured, but in the first half I thought they were linking up quite well. 
I think Lawless was having a pretty decent game. I'd have probably kept him on. If it had just been Graham for Adloy, I could have understood that. Adloy's obviously been in good form recently, bad quite a few goals in January. So I'd understand him coming on maybe for Graham, who maybe didn't have... We didn't really have any chances in front of goals, to be fair to him. But I could have understood that sub. I thought McEnroy from Alston was a strange one. I'm not sure if McEnroy was tired or injured, but I would have probably kept him on. Maybe dropped him a bit deeper and taken off Stanway because Stanway was booked. I know McEnroy isn't always best deployed deeper, but he'd scored the absolute belt. I thought he was having a pretty decent game overall. If he was going to bring on someone for McEnroy, I'd have rather it been James Lyon than Alston, to be honest. I really don't think that's the kind of game you're wanting Alston on. As we've said it before, but I think he's a bit more like a luxury player. He's not really someone that's kind of going to be in and about making tackles in the midfield. I felt we were getting a bit overrun in midfield after the changes. It's a shame that Luke McBeth wasn't available because if he had been, I'd have been happy to see him be brought on. But during even during the 90, actually, before the extra time. Yeah, if Muirhead wasn't injured, taking him off before potential penalties was a strange one. But if he was injured, it's fair enough. Obviously, do not enjoy criticising Chris Doolan at all. I wish I never had to. But, it, I mean, he's put his hands up and admitted it himself. But yeah, the subs were a pretty big tactical mistake on his part, I thought. I think it highlighted that we do need to still bring in a winger. I know there's budget restraints, of course, but we did bring on Kieran Nguyenia for Fitzpatrick, which does not have the same amount of impact. If Nguyenia was going to come on, I know Milne did have a good game despite being up against Nubley, but he was looking absolutely shattered towards the end. And I know it's a risk taking him off, but I'd have understood if Nguyenia had come on at left-back for Milne because Milne was looking absolutely shattered. Well, I think, to be fair to Dorn, I think in the end, he did move to a back three with Milne at his left centre-half and then as the left wing-back. I think that was to counter Nubly. And I'll, I'll give Chris Dorn a little bit of credit before before I criticise his subs because I think that move was was alert. And I, I liked his interview post-match, like holding his hands up. And I liked they went into the reasoning, the fact that he thought Diak's sort of physicality could help nullify Singari down Livingston's left and then he thought there was space in behind for Adloy to exploit. Like, I see that, but he was absolutely correct. Taking Graham and Lawless off so early after we went to it was, was probably a bit naive. And then I think, Heather, you mentioned it and Jamie probably said it as well and with lots of listener correspondence, the team we ended up with at the end of 90 minutes. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if there was a knock with Fitzpatrick, but you're right, Jamie, if he had to go off, and Gwenya coming on for him, it just it didn't look like a team that was going to score goals. And I think most of the subs that come on, and again, we're maybe sort of excluding Olsen from this, have, have all shown their, their uses this season. Like Williams is, is putting some decent shifts at fullback. You know, McKenzie's a young, promising player. Adloy and Diak have had, had really good moments, but just the, the system they ended up in with Gwenya left wing for when he, when he came on initially, it, it, just, it just wasn't right, um, I don't think. David, I don't know if you've got anything else to add on the subs. I think we might have covered that quite comprehensively. But who do you think stood out in, in red and yellow? Who who was the who were the standout performers for you? We'll look at look at it slightly more positively for a bit. For me, and I know this is sort of a, a broken record. I thought Stuart Bannigan was absolutely unbelievable on Saturday. I thought he, defensively he was absolutely brilliant. He was effectively a third centre-back for large portions of the game before we went to a back three. But I think because you're, you're in the north stand in the goal end in the second half, before before Livy scored, there was there were so many chances that Bannigan was there to kind of mop up. And even then, like, even when later on when they were battling to try and get back into the game and, you know, they were, you know, got a goal or whatever, Sneddon was absolutely brilliant too. Sneddon has some fantastic saves. But um, I was really, really impressed by Vanagan. I know we've talked about how, like at county, he had one of the 
best games he's had in years and stuff like that. And we, we would talk about how Bannigan's always an 8 out of 10 pretty much every week. But he really stood out for me on Saturday in a defensive role. And I said, effectively becoming another another centre-back. Yeah, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I agree. I thought Bannigan and Milne were the, the two outstanding outfield players. And I agree with you, David. I thought Jimmy Snedden had some really good saves as well. Heather, is anyone else you want to chuck into that mix? I, mean, I think you mentioned right at the start, Matt, I think that Jack McMillan and Lawless... Obviously had a, a really a really good half and we talk about that quite often. But Lawless was really in his like messy era. He was finding passes which just weren't there and um, and was really really impressive. And I agree with Jamie that it was maybe a little bit too early for him to come off. I understand the um, the the change of uh, of up front for Brian Graham, but maybe I feel like Lawless could have given more in the game. I also think that even though. It was maybe a quieter game overall for Ian Fitzpatrick. There were just some moments where he, you know, ploughed through three or four players and just shoved them off. And just his his tenacity, the speed that he plays at, it unfortunately showed to me that potentially he's the kind of player that could do quite well in the Premiership because of the way that he managed to fill quite a lot of their players. And even on a quieter day, was quite impressive. But you know what? Like watching it, it made me realise that Yes, obviously Livy have had a really not a really good start to this season and um and have really not picked up points, but they do have a really certain style of play, don't they? They just don't let anyone pass you and they're just so tall. I know we've never really been a tall team, but they were just so tall and physical and especially in that final thirty of extra time, you just felt that they had such a presence that maybe we do not command in the same way. No, I totally agree with you, Heather. That was one of the first things I pointed out. I think Livingston from when they had their first set piece, I think they had five players who were taller than our tallest player. So it was really no surprise in the end that they, they did capitalise on that advantage. David, you've stuck your hand up, and I hope it's for the same reason as the, the question that I'm, I'm going to ask you. As a football cliches, fellow football cliches enthusiast, are we accepting Heather saying that Livingston have had, have had a bad start to the season in February? Mm, that's, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's beyond a start at this point. This is like, what, 60, 70 minutes into a game going, they've had a tough start in this game. I, I, I don't know. It's, the adjudication panel definitely would have to discuss that at length. But um, Well, come no. on. Let me think about it, David. Dingwall really only started in the 70th minute when everything went wrong. So I'm going to stand by things starting. True. I, I, true. It is quite ironic when we're going, yeah, you wouldn't say they've had a bad start of the game 60, 70 minutes into the game after we lost 3-2 to Livingston, who, who notably scored... In the last twenty odd minutes, but um, no, it, it's a good point. Um, no, I was going to mention about the about the, the cup tide. You obviously mentioned about Macbeth and O'Reilly being cup tied, and for me, with the subs that we made and the sort of hodgepodge team we had at the end, and you mentioned obviously the the, the tall Livingston players, I think the t- the two players that we really needed were ultimately the two players that were cup tied. Like look, Macbeth coming into that game against the taller, more physical Livy side, I think he would have done really well. And same O'Reilly as a centre back, when you've got, you know, Muirhead coming off his injury, having him there would have been we don't lose if that happens. And it's just a bit of a shame that realistically the two guys that we needed were ones who were cup tied, um, especially one for Glen Afton. It's just it's just a real sickener. I think you've made a a perfect point 
David, I think John Henderson said it in their replies as well that yeah, Macbeth would have definitely come on. It might even have started that game on on Saturday. And yeah, when when Muirhead pulled up, I think O'Reilly would have come on in that uh, that sort of scunnered us as well, which I think is why Dylan deserves some criticism. But I don't think you can go in sort of two footed on him just because of I think those two players would have made a big difference on on Saturday. Jamie, I'll come to you with another question that was like a common theme of of question, and I'm, I'm interested to get your take on this because. I think there's maybe a, a variety of factors rather than one outstanding thing. But do you think we've got a problem in, in the latter stages of games this season? Do you think that is that is an issue or is it was Saturday just unfortunate? I wouldn't say it's like an issue this season. It's just been an issue as long as supporting Thistle. I've seen us chuck a lot of games. You think back to last season, excluding the playoff, I'm not even talking about that. But if you look at the league season, the regular season, times we were turning up at home to Cove we ended up drawing that game we were turning up at home to Dundee we ended up losing 3-2 you can say that's one of the important reasons why we ended up falling out the title race that game so yeah it's not I wouldn't even say it's just now this is a new phenomenon it's been a thing for a while and I wouldn't say I've noticed it as much this season the only times I can really remember is losing games late on this season was the Rafe away the 4-3-1 Chucking the Rafe home game. There's another 2 0 for you, actually. The Rafe home game as well this season. And now this one. So it's happened a couple of times, but it's hard to put your finger on exactly what the reason is. But I suppose one of the things you can point to on Saturday was the fact it's been mentioned at death at length now. But yeah, we ended up the game with like basically our B team on the pitch, which I don't think helped, especially that team. I wouldn't feel fully confident playing in the Championship, never mind against Premiership opposition, no matter if they're a struggling side or not. Yeah, I just wanted to say about one of the other things, I know we, we talked about the subs and everything, but something that I really noticed was Nielsen really seemed to lose his head at one point and really had like a, a real blip for about 20 minutes of just not being able to, like he, did, he didn't win a single header, he let balls bounce in very strange ways, he just, he really wasn't sure where he was supposed to be. And I guess in some ways it just kind of showed that, yes, he is inexperienced and still and still like a flourishing player that needs a bit of guidance. And with Muirhead potentially carrying an injury, there wasn't someone there to kind of talk him through that. And I think, as you said, I, someone like O'Reilly being able to come on and just steady the ship. You know, you know I, I as I said before, that we complimented Rosiri on what he came on and did. But unfortunately, Rosiri is not going to give you, like he's too busy focusing on himself and getting it right for him to be able to kind of instill that across across the line and I just think that potentially us not having obviously the cup ties players but also someone like Brian Graham and Stevie Lawless on the pitch who just ooze quality but also ooze experience out and just like you can imagine Graham kind of like going in this like hitting him in the head and saying like focus like get in and I just realised like see after I think the first goal that Livy scored like I saw all their players kind of like pointing at their heads being like mentality we've got this like we're on the bounce I just think we really missed someone to kind of you remember when we lost that goal against Queen's Park and then we went ahead and just and we just scored in, like immediately after it because there was just that kind of um, all-round feeling of we can't let this happen there was just none of that on Saturday it was kind of like oh we know this script and here it goes again Kirsten and I bought um, tickets for the wrong the wrong stand and we're going round late so we arrived in at like 3.09 and we walked past the Wraith Rovers manager like he was there with his son they were in their Wraith kit going into the Jackie husband and it must have been 
you know, Kirsten said afterwards, like, what a great game for him to come and see just how to get it, like, just how to win against us. If you get us in a certain way, like, we must be quite easy to beat, unfortunately, because we do have this dip in confidence. I don't even know if it's, like, the players in general or just the fans or the general mentality, but when we lose a goal like that, we do look scared that we're, like, wins. where's the next gap coming from? Not let's go and get one back. David? Jamie mentioned, obviously, like the other two big sort of capitulations we've had this season were against Rafe Rovers. And to be honest, I wouldn't class that as a us thing because how many games was it the Rafe Rovers came back after the 80th minute and won that? Yeah, a lot. Very much feels like a, a lot of Rafe Rovers. And actually, I don't think it's really been that much of an issue. Obviously, it does happen. I remember sort of 17, 18, that sort of era, it, it habitually happened all the time. There was like a good two or three years where we just chucked goals away all the time. And, and interestingly, the first time that I, I felt, the first manager who actually eradicated that, we don't give him much credit, but that that was something that Caldwell stopped. Like Those sort of late defeats dried up under Caldwell. And for years, we, we, we didn't have that until we got to the sort of late end of McCall. And again, we let the Cove, you know, the two each and stuff like that. There that it kind of started to creep in. And I think that with the way that Dylan plays, Dylan has always been very upfront about the way he plays. He's very first foot forwards, you know, attacking, go, go, go. We'll score more goals and we'll concede sort of mentality. And he's been very open about it and said that this is how we play. And it is that sort of thing of we acknowledge that we will concede it's just, you know, we'll also score as well. And, you know, when you play that sort of gung-ho style, conceding goals at the end is, is going to be happening. A, because you're playing such a positive and energetic style that you're going to tire near the end regardless of who you are. Um, and B, you're always going to be open because you're always in the front foot. So I think that a little bit of it is in the way that Dylan plays, but there are so many benefits in the way that Dylan plays that it's not necessarily an issue. But it is interesting that we're having this talk when this used to be endemic of us for years and we got, got rid of it and now we're kind of, it's creeping back in. I think I'm with you in the sense, David, I don't think it's a, an issue right now. It, it, it might, you know, it might manifest from this and become an issue. But right now, I would point to a few things and one of them is what you've just said, David, the energy. I don't think we do have a fitness issue. I, th- I think if you look at some of the players in the team, you can't say like Stuart Bannigan's unfit. I don't think you can say the midfield are unfit. I think Ben Stanway's maybe taking a little bit of time to adjust to sort of his workload as a young player with the sort of first senior season in the first team. Understandable, but I wouldn't say he's unfit. You see Milne and McMillan sort of stretching quite a lot. But as you say, David, they are asked to do a hell of a lot of running up and down. Probably they put in the most miles per game out of the team. And I think that's understandable. I don't really think the rest of the team are, are unfit. I don't look at anybody and go, oh, 60 minutes, they have to come off. I think we, we are quite a fit team. We've talked about Doolan's subs, but I don't think that's a trend. And that's why I'm not worried at the moment, because I think Doolan's maybe cost, what is it, 50 games, maybe two or three with the subs. I, I look at Saturday, I look at maybe Dingwall to an extent and one or two others potentially, but reverse that. He's, he's also won his points with his subs. You look at Rico Diak coming off the bench a couple of weeks ago at Morton and even at Airdrie, we didn't get the win, but we mentioned on, after that game that the subs had a positive impact on the game. And I think back to the Queen's Park game at Hamden with the subs who come on sort of steadied the ship when we looked like we were 
sort of dead set to lose that game. So I don't think that's a long-standing issue as well. The only thing I can sort of point to that is a potential long-standing issue, and I'm not looking to criticise this player at all because I think that he's played well recently. I think when you're looking to protect leads at 2-0, 2-1, you're looking for your back line to get out. And I think if you've got a centre-back like Aaron Muirhead, it's it's tough. It, he's not what he's the leader of the back line, but he's not really wanting everybody to run up 30 yards to the halfway line when we clear the ball. He's quite happy to sit in a bit deeper. And that maybe invites a bit of pressure on. And it's not his fault. That's just his natural game. But I think that is potentially an issue. Whereas if we had sort of another Lewis Nielsen, maybe Dan O'Reilly's that guy next to him, we could push 10 or 15 yards up the pitch and not come under as much pressure as we do when, we, when we're a goal or two. I don't know if anybody's got thoughts on that or if I'm, I'm being a bit harsh. No, I think you're right, Matt. I think it is tough on your head. I think he doesn't... I don't think he could go into the Premiership now and be able to play, like, you know, the way that, as you say, they play such a high a high line and then have to constantly run back. I just don't think that's him. And But, again, he has had... As you say, he was... He has a, he's had a good a good month and was... I think, was he not nominated for Player of the Month? Like, And, you know, it's just potentially that his style of play does not suit... Uh, the protection role, as you said, but just overall from what you said, I do think it's really important that we have these conversations because I think some people think that with the way that with Chris Dillon as our manager, that we just think in Jules we trust, Dillon's amazing, what a legend, and then aren't able to like look at it comprehensively and actually give like a realistic summary of the match. I do think that like this has really proved the fact that yes, people want to see Crystal and do well and understand that he's a good man in this job and understands Thistle but he's not without criticism but I, I actually really respected the way that he came out on Saturday and explained I I don't think many many managers in our past Gary Caldwell for example would constantly talk about what a good week in training they'd had or you know just other things and I do like that Dills doesn't always look for excuses and instead is I mean, a classic maybe TGF's line, but he's open on and honest, and and I and I think more managers should be like that. No, absolutely, Heather. I just want to clarify my your head comments. I'm obviously not blaming him for Saturday because he was he was off injured, but I, I think that as a as a factor, if you look at the sort of games we've had to lead in over the course of the last year or so, I think we do naturally drop a little bit deep. And I think David, you pointed to that time in the 16, 17, 17, 18 seasons when our Backline, especially when we lost Liam Lindsay, wasn't really blessed with much pace, and we we did tend to drop a little bit deeper. And I think that might be happening just now. And maybe if maybe if Doolan asks Muirhead to to take the the backline up five or ten yards deeper, he will do that and he'll play well. But at the moment, it, just to me, it seems like that's not quite happening. After Sunday's very impressive result for the Partick Thistle women's team, a goalless draw against Rangers that that could have been even more. Tom Hosey caught up with Ros Nisbet for their thoughts on the game and the previous week's Scottish Cup win against Queen's Park. Right, Ross, we've just witnessed this all nil Rangers now. I don't know about what your heartbeat's like, but mine's through the roof. Yeah, I had uh, a couple of notifications from my Garmin um, saying that my stress levels were going through the roof and I think at the 91st, 92nd minute, I was doing my very best to keep my lunch down. Very, very nervy, <laughs> but now a very, very happy man. 
and I thought it was a richly deserved point. It wasn't, I mean, yes, we had under a lot of pressure, but it wasn't a back-to-the-wall job. No, not at all, not at all. And I think from what I've heard and what I've seen, I think when uh, people see the, the replay of uh, Emma's goal that was chopped off, that uh, Rangers actually might be uh, relieved to leave here today with a point. I thought we were certainly worthy of the point, and I thought that we were actually worthy of a win. That's good. I think it's Ava Easton's got the player of the match award, but really I think there could have been 16 different player of the match awards. It was, a, I think it was an impossible choice. We were talking um, as we neared the end of the game about who the possible player that the, the, the match contenders could be, and yeah, you could go right through that team. Um, Ava, you know, pulled out an absolutely fantastic save in the second half. Which was just, minute. which was after she'd been awarded the man, the player of the match award. But we did not announce it yeah. because we were too afraid in case we jinxed her. But I think that's three phenomenal performances uh, from her um, in, a, in the top. I think you could have made the case for her getting the player of the match in each of the two previous games, so I think richly deserved, but as you say, could have been injured. A Cara Henderson, what a power of what she'd put in, and a kind of different role today. Uh, outstanding today. Um, I think you and I both were commenting on, that, as you said, that the work she put in. I thought her work rate was kind of second to none. She was back, you know, in the box, making last-ditch tackles. She was tucking in, you know, wherever she was required. I thought she was uh, phenomenal today. As we said, you know, any of the girls could have won the player that the, the match award, but I think she would have probably a, a, a pushed Ava the closest. And it gives us that boost in confidence ahead of a cup final coming up next month. Oh, w- without a doubt. Uh, I think all the girls, everybody connected with this, needs to look at today's result and, and take confidence from that and go into the final absolutely full of confidence. We've, we've demonstrated today that we can go toe-to-toe with Rangers. And as I said, on a different day, um, uh, we could have got the win. What would you say to MD who's wondering about going to the cup final, having just seen that result coming through? Because I think maybe some people might have thought, it's Rangers, you're going to get stuffed, but we've shown today that that's not going to be the case. I would hope that result today would remove any doubts that anybody has um, about attending the cup final. I think these girls deserve it. I think the Thistle Archive Twitter account said during the week that you know it, it, it really talked up the distinction uh, with which the girls have played this season, the fact that they're a credit to the badge. I think they deserve as big a Thistle crowd as possible and I would just say to people, regardless of who it is, don't look at form, don't look at results, just get over to Tynecastle and back the girls. And it's not just going to Tynecastle, it's We'd like to see more here on a Sunday. Without a doubt, without a doubt, you can see it's growing. We were, we were looking at the, um, the the attendance today, and I think um, that was was pushing previous records close. Uh, so there are more people that are coming in the gates, and I would love to see more. As I said, you've said this before as well. I think on this very podcast, you genuinely ran out of superlatives to describe this group of yeah, players. Yeah, it's, it's hard to find something new to say about them because they're just absolutely magnificent, and to see them so happy at full time as well. Yeah. It's yeah. quite emotional. It, it, it was, it was. Um, I'm an emotional person, as anybody who knows me knows very well. And yeah, there are times, like at the cup uh, semi-final there, there when you're kind of struggling to keep those emotions in check. You know, you're wiping away a VTR, but I think everybody was like that. They just recognise the progress um, the girls have made. They recognise their achievements. They're really, really proud of them. And if you can, get along and, and, and give them your backing. And you come, you support them, and you'll continue to break the records. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. No problem. Thank you. We are travelling north on Saturday to face Inverness in league duty. And before we go into the game, David comes to you for the our away day preview. Where's where's goods in Inverness? Where's goods en route to Inverness? 
I mean, shout out to Darwinny again, as ever. What a place. Um, it basically, listen to like a, the first half of our Dingwall travel jags until we actually get to Dingwall. Um, the problem with Inverness is it's it's in an industrial estate. You, you, you'll remember, Matt, that we went up for that playoff and got lost in the industrial estate for an hour. Um, yeah, so a lot of the buses just go into like Inverness town centre and then get the bus there. Near the near the ground, um, I must confess, I I only really ever go up to Inverness with you. I'm not enough of a imagine to go on the Manpreet bus to Inverness. So there is some there is some decent pubs kicking about, but I I can't pretend to be the up the almighty expert on there. But just go to Dalwhinnie and do the distillery tour. To be honest, that's that's yeah. what you should do. That could be in play. I've not bought a ticket yet for for the game. Um, Heather, you've got your hand up. I think you're staying in a hotel, which was a tactic advised to me at the Jags Foundation hospitality. Take over by one of the guys at my table. He said he always stays in a it's like a sports bar hotel. Um, I, I don't suspect that is the same hotel you're staying at. Although it might be. Uh, what have you got planned for Saturday? Well, yeah, I was just going to say that um, obviously as an ex Highlander, Inverness is like a big a big trip out for us. But you can't go wrong with Johnny Fox's. It's a really good a really good um, like pub and night out and so much fun some really good uh, time there when I was um, in my early 20s on a kind of road trip from Glencoe the wild days it was really fun though Kristen and I are going up and 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 we've got a hotel for the evening just to have just you know why you know you know another holiday weekend we deserve it but I actually don't know I've let I think well Kristen sorted accommodation and I'm doing the driving and the snacks so I think that is I think that that all comes around in the wash, isn't it? But yeah, hundred percent. If you were looking for somewhere to go, Johnny Fox's is the one. My recollection of Inverness. Now I'm. I have a, a vague memory of being disappointed last time out and up, but for a few seasons they did these sausage rolls and it was square sausage and pastry. Um, so if they're back on the menu, I'd recommend one of them. Oh, they are excellent. They are. Yeah. Um, it's it's basically Albion Rovers than them because it's a, it's a huge, huge, huge bit of, bit of sausage in there as well. It's yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's good. Um, Jamie will obviously have the cup tied players from Saturday back available, and Luke Macbeth and Dan O'Reilly. We're not too sure on the severity of the injuries that we picked up on Saturday, but if we assume that everybody's fit and we've got Scott Robinson back as well, what sort of team would you like to see us line up with on Saturday? If Muirhead's, I mean, I've been wanting O'Reilly to come in anyway, especially if Muirhead's picked up a knock. I know it's harsh, I actually think Muirhead was actually having a pretty decent game up until when he went off, but we signed O'Reilly to play and he's not played yet, and I do kind of want to see him in the team, so I would bring O'Reilly in from Muirhead. The midfield, if Robinson's back, I would bring him in. It's, I think I'd probably, I don't really like seeing McEnroy deployed as deep, but I want to see Robinson back into the team, so I'd probably put Stanway back to the bench and McEnroy slightly deeper and bring Robinson back into the team. Uh, I think I'd just keep the rest of the squad the same, barring any injuries. Hopefully McMillan is back. I hope he's not uh, injured, but I don't think there'll be any other changes to the team aside from that. I agree with you, O'Reilly. I think it's, it's probably time we saw him make his debut for Thistle. I'm not too sure I agree with, with bringing Robinson straight back in. I thought McEnroy did his best game in a few weeks, and, and that was capped off by, by a wonder goal, David, which we should have touched on earlier. Is it going to be the finest achievement of this season that we will win Scottish Cup goal of the round three times in a row? What, the treble, as it's known yeah, in the Scottish football yeah. circles? Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. Um, I look forward to them making a wee display um, in the Fahill Trophy cabinet for all three goal of the month uh, trophies. I mean, 
it's a it's a shame that we get knocked out, obviously, because we get knocked out. But I'd love to see what stupid eighty yard lob we just scored against Celtic away, um, in the next round based on our our form at the moment. Um, but yeah, um, no, I, 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 an incredible goal. Um, it, it's absolutely wild. Although saying that, if Adelaide had went in, like we could have had a winner and runner up. That that Adelaide shot was. He's never gonna have a better hit in his life, like ever. That <laughs> it was, was incredible. One of those shots. It was right in front of me that Adlai shot, and it looked when he kicked it, it looked like it was gonna go about ten foot over the bar, and then it just dipped. It was that was a crazy shot. But you're back on the midfield. I, I quite liked the midfield on Saturday. I thought Stanway and Bannigan both played well. And as I mentioned, I thought McEnroy had his best game in a few weeks in that number ten role. And I, I, I'm not a huge fan of McEnroy any deeper, and I think it'd be a bit harsh to drop him. And I think we have seen Robinson used effectively off the bench this season. So I'd, I'd probably stick with the, the same 10 and maybe swap O'Reilly from your head if, if your head's not 100%. Heather, do you want to kick us off with a, a score prediction? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to go for a 1-0 steal for us. Stevie Lawless? Take that. Absolutely. I mean, like the last game against them was the 1-1 Duncan Ferguson celebrated like he'd won the cup, quite enjoyable. Uh, but I do think that we maybe learned some lessons that day. And I think we also, after what's happened today, I think Dylan will be very, very focused on uh, defensive work. And I really hope that that will pay off. So, yeah, 1 0 steal. Jamie? I mean, the two previous games against Inverness this season have been absolutely awful. The 0 0 up there and then that one each at home. So I'm hoping this doesn't follow suit. So I'm going to say 3-1 Fessel, a more entertaining win. But I'm not backing us to keep a clean sheet, but 3-1 Fessel. David? I'm going to go 2-0. Brian Graham loves scoring against Inverness. Um, so I think Brian Graham will get to 2-0. I might play this a little bit. I think I'm going to go for a 0-0 draw. I think sometimes it's, it's natural if you've conceded a few games to sort of focus the next week on tightening up a bit and it's I, put, I, put, I think that three three up there in a in a midweek game is a sort of outlier. It does seem to be quite tight a lot of the time up there. So I'm going to go for a, another nil nil draw up there uh, on on Saturday. Some important business to rattle through. Um, after we talked about pubs a couple of weeks ago and what pubs we would open, David Dave McCluskey has asked an excellent question. If you owned a pub, what five things would you have on tap? Um, and now, just to check, Guinness is a free tap, surely. Like everywhere has a Guinness. Surely you have your five taps and the Guinness. If not, one of them is Guinness. But I feel that right. Guinness is no, exempt no. from these these games because uh, every pub has one. For the sake of time on this podcast, David, Guinness is one of your five. Right, okay. So it's going to be tenants. Uh, oh, I'd probably have Amstel, tenants, some McEwen's old man pint, uh, probably export. Um and Schoffer Hoffer just for when you're a bit too oh. scoofed when you want to ta- taxi yourself into the runway. Uh, it's always good for that. See, I would I, I'm with you in maybe four out of five. Obviously, you've got to have Guinness, you've got to have tenants to attract your crowd, your McEwens for your, your regulars, and maybe swap out your Amstel for an inch cider for your cider drinkers. But I'm I'm sticking with your other four. That's some that's some strong choices there. Uh Bonus question. I listened to an American podcast earlier who referred to King Charles III as Chuck Triple Sticks. So I'm going to ask you, what's the best nickname you've ever heard for somebody? Uh, anyone get anything good for this one? 
I mean, I, I, the Rayburn family is is one of my favourites. Red wine, port, and Vimto <laughs> is and right or Ribena, depending on who. So I think that is absolutely fantastic. I I, I, I told my sister that she she mentions it frequently. Also, there's a guy who used to go to Thistle games called um, Connor. We call him Chinese Connor, not because he's Chinese. He like, just moved to China. He's from Cambridge, uh, but everyone just knows him as Chinese Connor now. Um, so that's quite funny. Um, and as well as that, I, once, I remember somebody telling me they once had a friend called Cadfell. don't know if you've ever watched the detective show Cadfell, but they called him Cadfell because he was bald and from Shrewsbury. Um, <laughs> uh, so great. Um, I've ever told you why Duncan Rayburn of Queen's Park Support and Fame is nicknamed Redwine? No. Um, because we were in the our local establishment on general election night of 2017, and when the exit polls come out and it was like widely predicted the Tories would win a majority and uh, obviously I'm not allowed to d- discuss politics so I'm, I'm telling this from a, a neutral observer's point of view with uh, no biases implied in this story at all but um, my friend and associate Duncan Rayburn when the exit polls were announced which saw Jeremy Corbyn cut the Tory majority to a minority went up to the bar and asked for a red wine for a red Britain <laughs> <laughs> Later on in the evening, he was refused entry back into the establishment. <laughs> I went even out to get chips. <laughs> so that is why his, his little brother's now called Vimto and his, his father is Port. Uh, so that's some good stuff there. <laughs> it's so good. And solidarity with our comrades <laughs> on the south side. <laughs> right, Partridge Thistle. I've got one. Or oh, sorry, Heather. Sorry, you is that okay? Or have we got yeah, time? Of course. No, we've got so much time. Okay, well, firstly, and like I, I do apologise, I've texted my friend about this to remind me of the name, but the story behind it's better. Um, they went, so this person was on BBC, well, CBBC Raven, and they got to, that they won their round, and then they got to like the final of, like when all of the best people were in it at the end, so they, and like against Neymar, or whatever it's called, and, and then they got out, they were like third third out on like the final one out on way of the warrior and uh, anyway but like that person and I can't remember like their name or their raven name but it'll come back to me in a minute like I get into I've got interest to that person as their raven name like I always thought that was their actual name and then realized like further down the line of course not like no one's called that in real life so (laughs) that was um but now it's just slipped me I'm obviously growing old um so yeah so like so I love that the fact that like you know your raven name stays with you forever but my favorite one was when I was at university I was in a hockey team with a friend called my friend called Jill um and um somehow well I don't know like is it so someone called her Jildo Swaggins and that was what her name was on like everything <laughs> but so much so that people like who didn't know her because she was an absolute riot an absolute legend of a girl but for people who didn't know her, like people thought that was her name. So much so that when we were hockey referees, we got paid in checks, like for each game, like or like wow. if we ever had to get like transport, we got like, you know, like two pound check for our mileage. And uh, she had like five checks and she just hadn't read them and like taken them to the bank. And they were like, 
we can't do this like it's not the, the right name and she was like oh if they called me Jillian or something they were like no no they put it down as Jildo Swaggins like <laughs> so um and it was it was great like we had like they had to like go through the paperwork of Edinburgh Uni and be like this is not this girl's name so uh yeah long live Jildo that was always good <laughs> I it reminded me I used to I used to be on a, a Metallica forum uh, with lots of people around the world and we used to do like Secret Santa sort of things and we'd you would the idea was is that you would fill a giant box of stuff from your country to give to them um, and we used to do it with lots of people from Canada and America and Australia and stuff like that and I remember one time somebody sent me a giant box and I wasn't in to collect it so I had to go down to the post office uh, sorting office. And then uh, because uh, because I was always called Forrest when I was younger, I was never called David until I started going to Thistle Games and introduced myself to some people as David. I had to go to the sorting office and they explained that my name actually wasn't Forrest McGinger and that I actually had to go, look, my second name is Forrest and I've got really long red hair. Like, what more proof do you need? Um, and that, that was an absolute nightmare. But um, I, I, I love silly nicknames. Um, I absolutely love them. We have quite a few of them for people at work. There's a guy who used to put question marks after every sentence. We called him Danny Question Marks. Um, and Mad Tom, who was one of the more sane people there. I absolutely love it. I think it's just it's just the funniest thing. Um, daft nicknames for people that just have no explanation. Like Jackie Synagogue, his name is Jack Church. Then it was Jack Chapel. Then Amorpreet said it should be Jack Mosk. And then it became Jackie Synagogue. That's really funny. They're just like four levels of separation. That's what's happened. But yeah, I love it so much. Okay, I think the person's name, I think the person's name on Raven is Kinat. And I I just assumed that was her name, but I think her name is Katie. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I've got a mean Raven impersonation up my sleeve, but I will save that for another day. Partridge, that's it. Like next pod night out. I'll, I'll do it when you do a full pod and a Scouse action, Jamie. We've been I was going to say, I'm looking forward to. <laughs> I was looking forward to a Scouse contestant on Raven at the next pod night out. Uh, that'll be that'll be some laugh. Hey, Partridge Thistle this week, fair play once again if you're still listening. And um, with Domino's teaming up with Cadbury's for a, for cream egg cookies, what other food collaborations are you waiting for? Jamie, I'll start with you. you. You can't pull up. You're on notice at the moment. I'm not. I'm not pulling up. Don't worry. Um, I think it's got to be Greg's. It's got to be Greg's. Greg's has got to be introduced into like the mainstream takeaway, and you can get Greg's as like a side with something. Or the other answer would be Greg's team up with like pubs. So imagine you're at a pub, you can get a pint and like something from Greg's. That'd be fantastic. As as long as it's not spoons, it feels like it could be spoons. I I've, just don't I, want no, it to no, be spoons. No, 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 no. So what about what about the finest establishment known to anybody? Mun's Vault. Could you imagine you're in Mun's Vault, <sighs> pint of tenants, and what do you order? You can order a Greg's with it. Jamie, that's a fantastic shout. We're off to a strong start in this week's Partridge Thistle. Um, Heather, that was sensational, Jamie. Um, I'm gonna go something as something West End as well, but maybe a bit more like, don't know, posh West End. Uh, I would go for at Fur Hill, being able to get the potatoes from Five March. They are unreal, and yeah, just if you haven't had them, then please do. They are they are the bomb. So absolutely, David. I mean, as you know, Matt, 
uh, I don't eat food and subsist entirely in vibes, right? So this is a tough one for me. But uh, I think I've got one that you'll like. I want a Bell Rock pie. I want a pie at Arbroath with like smoky in it or like fish and chips, salt and vinegar, like tomato sauce, stuff like that. Um, in there, I think that would be excellent. But a Bell Rock pie of some nature would be sensational. I'm with you on that. I'm I'm always wary about like the the continuing bastardization of pies at the moment. It seems to be a thing, um, but I, I think you could just about get away with that. That does sound good. I am I, I I'm intrigued to know about like because one of the things I say to people about like who don't really go to football games. So there's a guy in my work who doesn't really go to football games, but he loves like Scran, and I was explaining to him like. The Cold War arms race of like all these weird Lovian junior teams that are trying to like make themselves a, a destination for fat bastards who want to go to the football is it's fascinating just some of the mad stuff they come out with. I mean, it's, it's it's not something that I try, but I absolutely respect them trying to just bait people like you into coming to go see Whitburn Juniors or you know Fall Towns United. It's 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 to be commended. On the on the cream egg theme, uh, Heather Wilson sent me that that board of lunch page who put a cream egg inside a croissant. There's some like I think James Baycaster says that's an off menu, but there's some things I, I just won't eat because I know if I do eat them once, it'll be like game over for me. I'll not stop eating them, and it will be exceptionally detrimental to my physical and potentially mental health as well. What would also this camp is something that I've often thought would be amazing, but also very dangerous is a deep fried bacon roll like very buttery batter and and bacon roll i, th- I think that's there's probably a reason that's not happened yet um but i think that would be mine if you get any good ones you can let us know uh, in the replies yeah. i don't know if you've seen this but at work we're like obsessed with toasties because it's always toasty night on a thursday and there was one that I saw recently sent around to a few of my friends, which was uh, in a toasty, you put a uh, um, tonics tea cake. And like it's I'll send you the I'll send you the reel of it because it's one of those ones. I've not tried it and I'm not sure I ever will because I just feel it's dangerous in many aspects. Yeah. But um, yeah, I want I want to know your thoughts on it. So I will send it. I, I really don't need to be sent like any more unhealthy ideas for food i've got all the ingredients for a a mini egg banana bread downstairs which i think we're making tonight or tomorrow i please don't send me like any more ideas for these things because if i see them i'll probably do them well i, I was going to put in one suggestion my wife loves um when when you have like a sunday roast or a sunday dinner or whatever um you know how you get like ham and cheese toasties well she has a lamb and cheese toasties and she oh, swears geez. by them and says they are utterly incredible. And I think that I, you you would adore a lamb and cheese toasty. Obviously quite pricey, but but worth it when you do it. Yeah. Right, we're, we're going to leave it there because I've actually not had my dinner yet tonight and it's going to turn into a real problem. Uh, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Draw, Lose or Draw. We will be back next week to look back on our game against Inverness and preview our Friday night game at home to Dunfermline. In the meantime, stay safe.